The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me, a world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventure's pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. And a good Wednesday morning to you. All eyes on Hunter Biden this morning. Yeah, the president's son heading to a Delaware courtroom. It is July the 26th. This is today. In the spotlight, Hunter Biden is set to plead guilty to federal tax crimes, part of his controversial plea deal with federal prosecutors. While on Capitol Hill, Republicans step up their investigations of the president's son. A live report and the potential impact on the 2024 race just ahead. United States of heat, tens of millions from coast to coast, now baking in those extreme temperatures, even the ocean soaring to triple digits, threatening vital coral reefs in Florida. This reef is a national treasure. It's like Yellowstone. So is any relief on the way? Al's got your full forecast. Wounded, Trevor Reed, the American freed in a prisoner swap with Russia last year, injured while fighting Russian forces in Ukraine, what the White House is now saying, and what it could mean for other Americans being held captive in Russia. Alibi, what the man charged in the Idaho College murders is saying about where he was on the night of the crime. Inside the new court documents as the defense and prosecutors prepare for that high-profile trial. Health scare, LeBron James's son, Bronny, in stable condition this morning after collapsing and suffering cardiac arrest during a basketball workout. Just ahead, the quick action that may have saved his life and the message from the James family as well wishes pour in. All that plus, happy birthday, Mick, the Rolling Stones lead singer turning 80 and still going strong. We will celebrate the icon's milestone birthday. And World Cup fever. Team USA and the fans gearing up for a huge game tonight. We'll take you to New Zealand as they prepare for what could be one of the toughest matches. Today, Wednesday, July 26, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie. And Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Welcome to today. So happy you're with us on a Wednesday morning. Savannah is off. Craig is here. We're staying up late. We're yes, we it. are. We're watching it. Yes, it's we gotten, are. We're also going to have Brandy Chastain on a little bit later to break the game down for us. But congratulations, Team USA. Yes, soccer legend. All right. Meantime, guys, take a look at this. This is a gorgeous scene. This is West Palm Beach. Okay. This looks super refreshing. It looks like a great place to beat the heat. But you will not cool off by jumping into that ocean today. No. In fact, in a lot of places, the ocean feels more like a hot tub. Uh, water temperature in South Florida reached 101 yesterday. Some of the warmest waters ever recorded. We're going to get to that story in just a moment and the latest on that brutal heat that's affecting some new parts of the United States this morning. Yeah, but we're going to get started with Hunter Biden set to appear in court today to plead guilty to two federal misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his taxes. The president's son also facing a separate felony gun possession charge. 
All of this comes as Congress prepares to hear more testimony tied to the investigation into Hunter Biden's business practices. NBC's Ryan Noble is covering all this for us. Hey, Ryan, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. And when the president's son enters this courtroom here behind me, his legal team hopes that it marks the end of his legal troubles. But Republicans on Capitol Hill are insistent that their investigations into the president's son, his business dealings and its possible connections to Joe Biden are just beginning. Hunter Biden, the president's son, prepared to enter a Delaware courtroom this morning to formally plead guilty to a series of tax charges. Mr. Biden's going to take responsibility for failing to timely pay his taxes. Today's hearing the culmination of a five-year investigation that concluded the president's son did not pay taxes in 2017 and 2018, despite owing more than $100,000. Biden has since paid back the tax bill with interest. Prosecutors are expected to recommend a sentence of probation instead of the maximum penalties for these charges, which include a year in jail for each tax offense and up to 10 years in jail for the felony gun charge that alleges that Biden was in possession of a firearm despite being a drug user. The gun charge would be dismissed after Biden completes a diversion program. Republicans not ready to move on. Was it just this Hunter Biden's operation or was Joe Biden involved? They are still aggressively pursuing an investigation into the younger Biden's business practices. And last week presented two IRS agents who claim he was given preferential treatment by the IRS and Department of Justice. At every stage, decisions were made that benefited the subject of this investigation. The attorney general has denied those claims, and the White House says President Biden was not involved in Hunter Biden's business ventures. But his son's legal issues continue to be a political distraction for the president. Today's plea deal comes after Hunter Biden settled a long-running child support dispute last month with London Roberts, the Arkansas mother of a child he fathered in 2018. Roberts said in a court filing last year that the president and the first family, quote, remain estranged from the child. But Hunter Biden agreed in 2020 to pay some monthly child support. The White House has declined to discuss the issue. His political rivals have seized on it on the campaign trail. And back in Washington, House GOP members continue to try and link Hunter's business dealings to the president, though they have yet to produce any concrete evidence even using the investigations to open the door to potential impeachment proceedings. In the meantime, Ryan, there appears to be some sort of last-minute drama in the court. What happened? Yeah, that's right, Hoda. Anything that happens as it relates to this case is going to get a lot of attention, particularly from Hunter Biden's political opponents. And we learned that a Republican member of Congress uh, informed the court this week that they believe that a member of Hunter Biden's legal team called the court attempting to impersonate someone else. It was enough for the judge to ask the Biden legal team to explain exactly what happened. They claim that it was all just a misunderstanding. It's ultimately not going to affect what happens in court here today, but it's an example of how every single part of this case is under a great deal of scrutiny, particularly from those who want to see Hunter Biden and by extension, Joe Biden fail. Hoda. Ryan Nobles for us there at the courthouse in Wilmington. Ryan, thank you. Now to that other big story this morning, that record shattering heat wave that's been gripping the southern United States for nearly a month now. It's expanding to the entire East Coast. Even a dip in the ocean won't cool you down in Florida. The waters there, as we mentioned, now reaching hot tub temperatures in some places. We've got all of it covered for you. We start with NBC's Maggie Vespa. Maggie's in Minneapolis, where apparently, Maggie, there's, there's no escape from those high temperatures, and it's affecting the power grid, huh? 
Well, Craig, that's right. And I should point out, we're actually having a bit of a chaotic morning here in Minneapolis amid uh, overnight severe storms that rolled in. And we saw in particular a lot of lightning. So we're now undercover inside a parking garage and our affiliate reporting as if people here needed this in this extreme heat. Now thousands are without power, also reporting potential damage and downed trees. Of course, this is only adding to this brutal stretch of severe summer weather that, as you point out, is sparing no corner of the U.S. This morning, in the latest chapter of a mounting climate crisis, severe heat from coast to coast. We usually keep our windows closed, um, not letting like the sun come through because that adds a lot of extra heat. The same monster heat wave that's kept Phoenix clocking in at 110 degrees or higher for a record 26 straight days and counting. Third time this year, we've reached 119 degrees. Now barreling toward the East Coast, where Boston's mayor has declared a heat emergency, with New York and Washington, D.C. bracing for near triple-digit temps this week, both cities forecasted to feel like 105. In Connecticut, kids are already struggling on the softball field. We have uh, neck fans, and for the girls, we provide uh, cooling towels that we keep in ice water. The prolonged heat stretch marked by a sobering new study blaming this month's scorching temps squarely on man's climate crisis. The study saying this heat wave would have been virtually impossible if humans had not warmed the planet by burning fossil fuels. In the Midwest, Canadian wildfire smoke again cloaking Chicago, Detroit and Minneapolis. Advocates in Minneapolis passing out cold water to the homeless. We let them know, hydrate, do you need more water? You got to hydrate. While families seek relief lakeside. How much does this beach help? Oh, it helps a whole lot. And in the Midwest, doctors say as this heat settles in, they're already seeing a rise in cases of heat exhaustion and even possible heat stroke. They are pleading with people to, again, stay hydrated and stay in the air conditioning as much as possible. I know we mentioned the power grid at the top. Utility providers say it's holding strong despite soaring demand. Also coming up with tips of their own. Local utility providers say definitely keep blinds or drapes closed during the day. Run ceiling fans counterclockwise to circulate cooler air in your home. And they say run dishwashers, washing machines and other major appliances with full loads and run them before or after the hottest parts of the day. Just tips to keep your energy costs down and keep your homes as cool as possible. Yeah, some good tips there. Maggie Vesper for us in Minneapolis. Maggie, thank you. As we said, this extreme summer heat is not just impacting us on land. The oceans are now hitting dangerously high record-breaking temperatures, triple digits in some cases. NBC's Sam Brock joins us from Miami Beach. Boy, how unprecedented is this, Sam? Huda, we're talking about historically off the charts ocean temperatures to the degree, Huda, that marine scientists who have studied this for decades tell me they have never seen anything like this. Right now, the water temperatures are running about four to eight degrees higher than normal. But Huda, Manatee Bay, if that sounds familiar, we're talking about just south of the Everglades, north of the Florida Keys there on your map, registered 101.1 degrees this week. That is ideal temperatures for a hot tub. And for those thinking, well, that might be an outlier, 
Nope, not exactly. Neighboring buoys registered in the 98 to 99 degree level. And so that is sounding the alarms right now for experts about risks to coral reefs here. The Coral Restoration Foundation, which has been spending so much time trying to harvest, restore, repopulate these corals, recently found a reef off of Marathon in the Florida Keys that had 100% mortality rate for the corals. Obviously, that's not the case across the reef, but deep concerns right now moving forward. Well, uh, Sam, if these temperatures continue to stay this way, what is the long-term impact on those coral reefs? So how do coral reefs provide shelter for fish and marine life? In fact, about a quarter of all marine life globally is some way connected to these reefs. On top of the fact that the reefs also blunt storm surge Hoda, during hurricanes. So they prevent hundreds of millions of dollars in property loss. Knowing that right now, the, the Coral Restoration Foundation, the National Marine Sanctuary say this is literally a race around the clock right now to go in and take fragments of those corals. They've been planting them for years, right? And try to preserve them in a gene bank about a thousand different coral reefs so they can grow them and try to prevent the coral reefs from extinction. That is the level we're at right now. Just another impact of climate change devastating our environment and the way of life as we know it, Hoda. Yeah, all right. Well said. Sam Brock for us there in Miami. Sam, thanks. All right. The air's hot. The water's hot. Yeah. You turn to Mr. Oko. Heat alerts once again. That's right. Swaths of the country. And not just uh, the water off Florida. The Gulf Coast or the, around, and then the Gulf of Mexico, the water's really record-setting hot. We're talking about heat in the North Atlantic and the Mediterranean Ocean as well. So it's worldwide right now. Now, for us, 108 million people are under heat advisories, warnings, watches. The northeast of the I-95 Carter down in Florida, Texas, all the way into the southwest. Now, here's the deal. We are going to see a bit of a change, but depending on where you live, the jet stream and that heat dome is going to start moving to the south, and we're going to get a bit of a break by early next week for the Great Lakes and the Northeast. However, down through the South, you see that heat dome is not going anywhere. We are looking at heat indexes today, triple digits for St. Louis, Albuquerque, Phoenix, and then we move into tomorrow. That heat spreads to the east. Heat index is 105 in New York, St. Louis 110, Wichita 104. But by the weekend, you see temperatures by Sunday, Boston, you're at 78, New York City after a high Friday of 96, down to 83 degrees, Chicago, you be down into the low 80s. But again, into next weekend, we're looking at upper 90s to 100s from Charlotte, Salina, New Orleans and Houston, guys. Mm. So if right now for the South, no relief in sight. All right. Now we'll check back with you in a bit. Thank you, you so much. Meantime, Trevor Reed, the former Marine who was wrongfully detained in Russia and freed in a high profile prisoner exchange last year, has been hurt while fighting in Ukraine. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel has details on this. Hi, Richard. Good morning. Good morning, Hoda. Injured, yes. And this morning, White House officials are not pleased with Trevor Reed. The White House worked hard to secure his release, only to see him go back to the region to fight against Russia. And now they're worried the move could make it more difficult to free other Americans in Russia. You can say one thing about Trevor Reed. He is determined. The Marine veteran from Texas was arrested in Russia in 2019 while visiting a girlfriend. He was accused of getting into a drunken brawl with police. The U.S. ambassador to Moscow at the time called the charges, quote, theater of the absurd. After nearly three years, often in solitary confinement, Reed was released in 2022, swapped 
for a convicted Russian cocaine trafficker serving in the United States. The exchange filmed on a tarmac in Turkey. Back home, Reid expressed appreciation to the Biden administration, mixed with criticism for not doing enough to release other Americans held by Russia. Yeah, that frustrates me that they're not doing more. The White House, you know, has has that position to go out and say, yeah, we're going to make this exchange. We're going to get these guys back for this guy. And, you know, they have the ability to do that. So why they haven't already done that, you know, is is a little bit beyond me. After that, Reid signed up to be a volunteer for Ukraine to fight against Russia. A Pentagon official confirms he's being treated at a U.S. military hospital in Germany. I want to be explicitly clear about something. Uh, Mr. Reid was not engaged in any activities on behalf of the U.S. government. Off camera, the White House is less diplomatic. An official telling NBC News of extreme concern that Reid's actions could hamper the government's ability to bring other Americans home. Russia is holding journalist Evan Gershkovich and Marine veteran Paul Whelan, also on trumped-up charges, according to U.S. officials. The White House worries the fact that Reid went to fight against Russia makes it harder to argue that Russia should let other Americans go. Reid's family is keeping silent. Hoda. All right, Richard Angle for us on that story in London. Richard, thank you. Also this morning, some new developments in the Gilgo serial murders investigation. Authorities wrapping up their search efforts at the suspect's Long Island home. NBC's Emily Akata is here with the very latest on this. Emily, good morning. Good morning to you. As Rex Sherman remains in jail on suicide watch, according to police, authorities are pouring over what they described as a massive amount of evidence, including nearly 280 guns. After combing for clues for nearly two weeks, an exhaustive search of the Long Island home belonging to Gilgo murder suspect Rex Sherman is over. We have obtained a massive amount of, of uh, material. Now, officials are stressing patience as they analyze and catalog what they found, removing box after box of material from the premises. Investigators finding a walk-in vault equipped with an iron door in the home and saying they seized 279 weapons. An excavator and ground-piercing technology were also used to examine Hurman's backyard, where it does not appear remains were found. There is a, a whole entire trace analysis that we have to go through with the house uh, with regard to hair fibers, DNA, blood. The painstaking process playing out since the architect and father of two was arrested near his Manhattan office earlier this month, charged with killing three women, all sex workers, more than a decade ago. And Hurman's the lead suspect in a fourth death, too. His wife, who investigators say was away during the killings, has since filed for divorce and is going through a devastating time, according to her attorney. As police in other states are looking into potential connections to other unsolved crimes, including in Las Vegas, Nevada, where he had a timeshare, and in Atlantic City, New Jersey, for possible ties to the 2006 Eastbound Strangler case. I know that I was there as a potential victim. Former escort Nikki Brass says Hewerman brought up the Gilgo murders on a date back in 2015. But at one point, he said, How do you think they got rid of the bodies? Sensing something wasn't right, Brass refused to go back to his house, but never alerted authorities, fearing her own legal trouble. I honestly think had I gone back with him, I wouldn't be here today. The Gilgo Task Force is now expanding its investigation to other cold cases on Long Island.
And the district attorney still would not say whether anyone was killed at Hureman's home. We reached out to Hureman's attorney for comment but have not heard back. Hureman has pleaded not guilty to the murders and will appear in court next week. Okay, Emily, thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, we got a lot more to get to. So if you have not checked your Mega Millions ticket from last night's drawing yet, I've got a spoiler for you. You didn't win the big jackpot, <laughs> but here's some good news. Nobody else won either. And that means the grand prize for Friday night's drawing is on the rise once again. So right now it sits at an estimated Oof. $910 million. That, by the way, the fifth largest Mega Millions jackpot of all time. So how do we get here? Well, the last time someone won the top prize, all the way back in April. So ever since April, the jackpot has been rolling uh, over ever since. So you're saying there's a chance. There's always, always a, a chance. chance. There's a chance, right. Mr. Roker. That's right. We also got, a, unfortunately, a good chance of severe weather. Minneapolis, where we saw Maggie Vespa earlier, and we've got 24 million people at risk. Detroit, Fort Wayne, Cleveland today, Chicago even, for gusty winds, strong tornadoes, possible, and damaging hail or uh, damaging hail at about one inch in diameter. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, now, thank you. Uh, still ahead this morning, a new tw- twist in the Idaho College murders. Could the man charged in the case have an alibi? Gotti Schwartz is following this for us. Hey, Gotti. Hey, good morning. Yeah, new court documents filed by Brian Kohlberger's defense team suggests that an alibi could be coming. We're going to have a lot more coming up. Also this morning, we're learning more about that health scare for LeBron James' son, Bronny, hospitalized after suffering cardiac arrest during basketball practice. We'll have the latest on his condition, what the family is saying, and the messages of support that are now pouring in. But first, this is today on NBC. Wayfair's biggest sale of the year is here. It's Wayday. Right now, you can score up to 80% off at Wayfair. Save on sofas and cookware, dining sets and rugs and beds, wall art, bar cards, floor lamps, sailing fans, home decor, all things outdoor, and way more. All up to 80% off right now. Plus, everything ships free. And flash deals are launching all Wayday long. Don't miss Wayfair's biggest sale of the year. Shop Wayday right now from May 6th at Wayfair.com. Wayfair, every style, every home. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 
Back now, 7.30, that's a live look at Paris. That's the opening ceremony calendar for the 2024 Olympics. It's 366 days away, technically, because 2024 is a leap year. <laughs> but so it's a year ago today, though. So just ahead, we've got Tariko. He's going to join us from the City of Light. He's going to talk about the beautiful opening ceremony yeah. that's going to be ahead on the Seine. We're going to welcome a whole bunch of Team USA hopefuls. They're going to be on our plaza. And then we got a star at the table. Sobo's here. Uh, Jacob Soboroff. It's good Morning, to see guys. you. Yeah, morning. It's hard to believe one year yes. from now we'll be in Paris in the shadow of the Eiffel. Uh, looking forward to that. We do have a busy half hour, starting with a high-profile Idaho college murders case. Yeah, as the trial nears, the defense is now suggesting that their client may not have been at the crime scene when the murders took place. NBC's Gotti Schwartz has the very latest. Hey, Gotti, good morning. Hey, good morning, Hoda. Yeah, it's the latest development in what's already been an unusual road to a trial that doesn't even start for three more months. And ahead of a court deadline, Brian Kohlberger's team is filing documents that experts say aim to create doubt about his involvement in the crime at all. All rise. In a last-minute move to present an alibi, attorneys for Brian Koberger are now suggesting the man accused of murdering four University of Idaho students in November may not have been at the crime scene when the killings took place. In court documents filed Tuesday, the defense writes evidence corroborating Mr. Koberger being at a location other than the King Road address will be disclosed. And while the defense did not provide further detail about where Koberger may have been, they say his whereabouts may come to light at a trial through cross-examination and expert witness testimony. Part of the investigation, the discovery of a white Hyundai Elantra that was seen at the crime scene the morning of the murders. How y'all doing today? It's the same make and model Koberger owns, and police stopped him in weeks before his arrest. Do me a favor, don't follow too close, okay? This is just the latest attempt to cast doubts on the state's case and the investigation after prosecutors said Koberger's DNA was a statistical match to DNA found on a knife sheet at the crime scene. Last month, the defense suggested that evidence may have been planted, writing, the state's argument assumes a DNA on the sheath was placed there by Mr. Koberger and not someone else during an investigation that spans hundreds of members of law enforcement and apparently at least one lab that the state refuses to name not guilty of the crime of murder. The filing, reminiscent of another high-profile trial in 1995 when O.J. Simpson's defense claimed a blood-stained glove was planted at their client's home. The jury in that case famously acquitted Simpson. In May, a not guilty plea was entered by the judge on Kohlberger's behalf. He faces four counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of Kaylee Gonzalez, Madison Mogan, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin. With this trial set to start in October, the University of Idaho now says it will wait until then to demolish the house where the quadruple killings occurred. The decision comes after the victim's families asked for the house to be preserved. I don't want somebody in the court case say, well, I really wish we could be in the house right now. And this new filing is just the latest attempt from Koberger's attorneys to outline a potential defense. But with a gag order still in place, we may not know many of the details of a possible alibi or defense strategy until the trial starts in three months. Guys. All right, Gotti, thank you. Let's bring in NBC News legal analyst Danny Savalos. Danny, good morning to you. Okay, so Koberger's team is saying maybe he was not actually at the house when the murders were committed. We've been talking about this trial for a long time. Why is this just coming to light now? 
what's the plan here? Because the rules require them, the defense, to file what's called a notice of alibi. In other words, the rules say that, look, generally a defendant doesn't have to say anything. They can just wait for trial. But when it comes to an alibi defense, especially this started in the 1920s, people started perceiving alibis as like this last minute, pull it out of your pocket defense. And so out of fairness, the court started saying, well, look, if you're going to say you were somewhere else, you at least have to give the state enough advance notice so they can go out and investigate. If you say you were at your book club meeting, well, then the state should be able to go out and get ring doorbell tape, Mm -hmm. talk to the other people at your book club meeting and generally investigate your claim that you were somewhere else. So this is an exception to the rule and a controversial exception to the rule that the defense doesn't need to put on any evidence. And the Supreme Court has said that this is okay with the Fifth Amendment. It doesn't violate the Constitution. This is an exception. You can require a defense to put in this evidence, your notice of alibi. And under the rules in Idaho, this was the time that they had to do it. Mm -hmm. To be clear, so far, the defense has not offered any evidence or any witness that would uh, support this alibi theory. So what what could the strategy be here from a defense perspective? The way I read between the lines of their filing is this, and this is just my take. They're saying, uh, Judge, we don't have alibi witnesses yet, but we don't want to give up the opportunity to present an alibi defense because the rules of procedure in Idaho and in many other jurisdictions are you either disclose it or you lose it. If you don't disclose a witness at the time you're supposed to, then you may be precluded from calling that witness at trial. So the defense here appears to be trying to hedge their bets. They're saying, look, we may call an alibi. We may have an alibi defense, but we don't have it yet. Yeah. So, judge, don't preclude us. Uh, and also, judge, by the way, the Idaho rules allow an exception for the defendant to testify. That means that even if they don't put on any alibi defense or notify them as they're supposed to, they could, in theory, call the defendant and he could come up with an alibi defense all by himself. Mm-hmm. All right, Danny, thank you so much for your insight. We appreciate it. I'm Danny, mm-hmm. thanks, guys. Check this out. Coming up, newly revealed biting incidents involving one of the nation's first dogs, a Secret Service agent actually sent to the hospital. New details in a live report from the White House. First, though, well wishes pouring in this morning for Bronnie James, the NBA star's son, recovering this morning after he collapsed from cardiac arrest during practice. Kaylee Hartung is in Los Angeles on this story for us. Kaylee, good morning. Yeah, hey, good morning, Craig. A stunning scene unfolded at USC's basketball practice earlier this week. This morning, we know the 18-year-old is in stable condition. Coming up, we'll tell you about another medical emergency for that team that prepared them for quick action to aid Bronny James. That's next, right here on Today. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say. It's what we do. Our professionals believe in the value of collaboration and the power of technology. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference, driving growth and value for our clients. KPMG, make the difference. Wayfair's biggest sale of the year is here. It's Wayday. Right now, you can score up to 80% off at Wayfair. Save on sofas and cookware, dining sets and rugs and beds, wall art, bar cards, floor lamps, sailing fans, home decor, all things outdoor, and way more. All up to 80% off right now. Plus, everything ships free. And flash deals are launching all Wayday long. Don't miss Wayfair's biggest sale of the year. Shop Wayday right now from May 6th at Wayfair.com. Every home. 
We are back now, 741, with an update on that health scare for the son of NBA star LeBron James. Ronnie, an incoming freshman at the University of Southern California, was rushed to the hospital after suddenly collapsing from cardiac arrest during practice. NBC's Kaylee Hartung joins us now from L.A. with the very latest. Kaylee, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. His college basketball career hasn't even begun, but he has got one of the most famous names in all of sports. LeBron James' eldest son, Bronny, facing this serious medical emergency in the middle of an off-season practice, an ambulance rushing the 18-year-old to the ER on Monday. And it turns out this is the second time in just one year that a USC basketball player has gone into cardiac arrest. This morning, new questions about what caused the terrifying collapse of college basketball player Bronny James, the son of NBA superstar LeBron James. The 18-year-old, now in stable condition and no longer in ICU. Engine rescue 15, unconscious. While practicing at USC Monday, James suffered a cardiac arrest, according to a family spokesperson, adding medical staff was able to treat Bronny and take him to the hospital. He's one of the nation's highest-ranked incoming college basketball players, starring in the McDonald's All-American game just weeks ago, his dad cheering him on. LeBron even producing this documentary about his son's high school basketball career. I want to be on the court with him. I think that would be an unbelievable moment. This is the second time in a year that a USC basketball player has suffered cardiac arrest during practice. Last July, center Vincent Iwichikwu was hospitalized after collapsing on the court. He made a full recovery and returned to play six months later. USC declining to comment on either incident. Studies show cardiac arrest is the leading cause of death for young athletes, with African-American college basketball players like James at highest risk. Shawnee O'Neal, ex-wife of NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal, speaking about their son Sharif. While on UCLA's basketball team, he was diagnosed with a heart defect during a routine physical and had to undergo open-heart surgery in 2018. Star athletes now tweeting out their prayers for Bronny. Damar Hamlin, who suffered cardiac arrest during an NFL game in January, posting to the James family, here for you guys, just like you have been for me my entire process. And through a spokesperson, LeBron James and his wife Savannah sent their deepest thanks and appreciation to the USC medical and athletic staff, who they say undoubtedly played a huge role in saving their son's life. And guys, given the similar crisis we mentioned that this staff dealt with just one year ago, you would imagine that experience prepared them to jump into quick action for Bronny. No question. No question. No doubt at all. Kaylee, thank you. Let's get some additional insight and some context as well from Dr. Tara Narula. She's a cardiologist at Lenox Hill Hospital Northwell Health. Dr. Narula, welcome back. A lot of folks saw this happen yesterday and they they thought he's 18 years old. He's playing college. College basketball. Mm-hmm. He's got to be in fantastic shape. Mm-hmm. How could something like this happen? Right, Craig. And anytime we see someone have a sudden cardiac arrest, it's difficult, but particularly when it's someone who looks young and outwardly healthy. This is definitely an uncommon occurrence, but when it happens, it's emotionally jarring. And really what it indicates is typically is that there is some underlying cardiac disease that was not picked up in most instances, whether that's a structural heart disease, that they were born with something wrong with the heart muscles, mm-hmm or the arteries that supply blood to the heart, or an electrical problem that may be inherited genetically. Um, And typically, it is an arrhythmia, an abnormal heart rhythm, ventricular tachycardia or fibrillation are the two most common, that would cause someone to have this event. And as you mentioned in the package, it is usually most often seen in males, in Mm African-American males, and in basketball players. You think, obviously, athletes must get physicals. Number one, is that something that immediately you would see if given a physical? And just also, what does it tell you that he recovered and was out of the hospital so 
quickly. Well, that's definitely a good sign. I mean, having taken care of patients in the CCU who've had a rest, I mean, the fact that he was able to get out of the ICU clearly is not on a ventilator, doesn't need blood pressure yeah. supporting medications, hopefully neurologically is intact. I mean, these are all good things that had happened so fast. And as far as your question about the physical, I mean, the NCAA and the American Heart Association and other groups had a consensus statement that they released in 2016 that really recommended a pre-participation screening where you ask about a person's history. Have you ever passed out? What is your family history? Mm-hmm. Has someone died early? You do a physical exam. And the idea is with that, you may be able to catch some of these individuals who are at increased risk. Clearly, it's not perfect. And there are mm-hmm. many who are calling for more advanced testing, whether that be with EKGs routinely, which mm-hmm. is currently not recommended, or even MRIs some people have proposed. Mm-hmm. So we're not there yet, um, but this is really the best that we have. Mm-hmm. But one of the other things you mentioned also is being prepared, and that yeah. was part of this consensus statement, mm-hmm. is that universities need to have practiced this mm-hmm. emergency action plan so you can get there with your defibrillator, you know how to do CPR, and you're ready. And they clearly mm-hmm. were ready. Yeah, prepared. That was it. Yeah. We thank you so much for all your insight. We appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Mm-hmm. Uh Let's switch gears now. Mr. Roker standing by with another check of that forecast. Hey, Al. Hey, Craig. Okay, so we are looking at a beautiful day here in the Northeast. Severe storms, though, moving through the Great Lakes. Hot and humid down through the Gulf. Record warmth in the Southwest and a fire risk along the West Coast. And that's your latest weather. Guys. Thank you, Mr. Thanks, Roker. Al. Guys, still ahead on Popstar, we are going to have a very special exclusive announcement from my imaginary best friend, Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> she could be your best friend. Just ahead, we're going to celebrate a milestone birthday for a music icon. Mick Jagger is turning the big 8-0 and he is not slowing down. Plus, we are getting you ready for Team USA's big matchup at the World Cup. That's today and we've got soccer icon Brandy Chastain who's going to break it down for us. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say. It's what we do. Our professionals believe in the value of collaboration and the power of technology. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference, driving growth and value for our clients. KPMG, make the difference.